Ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> kicking off the first stop on his world tour, our new president and prophet, Russell M. Nelson. You say you want some revelation. Well, here you go. It's gonna blow your freaking mind. Hey, greetings, brothers and sisters. Welcome back to the weekly Mormon News Roundup, where Dives and Al ruminate on the great and spacious beehive. This week, we have episode 23 coming at you for September 4th, 2022. Um, we're going to do an interesting show this week. We're going to review Untold, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist, where we talk about the uh, catfishing experience that ruined uh, Manti Teo's um, football career. For a, uh, for a long time there. Um, also, we've got some other uh, interesting things in the news this week. We've got um, a little bit of fallout from the BYU racist volleyball incident. Did it happen? Did it not? We're going to have to find out. Also, um, Bobby Corden's grandson's death has made it to the spotlight. Uh, she's tried to capitalize a, on a tragedy, and um, we got, we're going to look into that a little bit and see what actually happened. It's um, looking a little bit... Uh, iffy as to what really happened there. Um, also, we've got the LDS post multi-billion dollar financial losses. Ever since they had to uh, report that, we're going to look into that and see um, how well the LDS church has done this year with the um, stock market having all those problems. Also, the church lawyers are trying to block the release of additional information in the Arizona AP sex abuse case. And the Mormon mom told by her bishop to quit her job or lose her church membership. Um, we're going to follow up on this one's uh, something that we've talked about before. Uh, so it's a little bit of a follow-up, but it's going to be interesting to talk about that one. And then also, as a knee-jerk reaction, BYU has decided they're going to eliminate the student fan section after the racist volleyball incident. So, you know, it's a step uh, that they're taking to curb any potential uh, future problems that they had like last week. So welcome, Dives. Hey, it's great to be here, Al. Uh, for those of you out there listening, thanks for joining us. Uh, come on over to our website, www.mormonnewsroundup.org, or send us an email to kolob at mormonnewsroundup.org, K-O-L-O-B, and we'd be delighted to uh, uh, interact with you. You can also send us a voicemail on Anchor. We are on Twitter. We are on Patreon. We are on Facebook. We are on YouTube. We are absolutely everywhere. We are. Uh, um, we uh, we are looking forward to this episode. There's a lot going on this week. I couldn't. I, I it's, it's amazing how much uh, Mormon news there is every week, isn't there, Al? Yeah, for sure. And you know, this week it just seems like it's real messy. You know, like the, the news that's out there, it's like ooh, train wreck after train wreck. You know. <laughs> well, we could cover the uh, 283rd uh, temple dedication or the uh, you know. We or, uh, we can do that. <laughs> or uh, Elder So and So of the Seventy goes to visit a state conference. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just not sure that that's the kind of news that uh, really captivates uh, our listeners. I, no, I'm you're not sure right. about that. You we're, know? we're we're here for the stuff that's that's juicy. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> uh, I, you got the joke of the week, right? I do. Are we ready for this joke of the week? I think so. Okay, so there's three uh, gentlemen sitting around talking together: a Scientologist, a Catholic, and a Mormon. Okay, and talking about their families. And the Scientologist jokes, hey, you know, I've got four kids. If I get one more, then I'll have a, ba- a basketball team. The Catholic joins in and says, well, I've got ten kids. And if I get one more, then I'll have a football team. And then the Mormon speaks up in deadpans, I've got 17 wives. One more and I'll have a golf course. <laughs> <laughs> 
Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Very deal. nice. Very nice. <laughs> I guess that's why. I guess that's why Al that there's three gospel topics essays on polygamy. That's exactly there. right. Yeah, because we we just have to hammer that through. It, because the LDS Church does not practice polygamy anymore. Well, sort of. At least in um, the at least in this life, right? I or, guess. I, yeah. <laughs> I guess. I guess in this life. Yeah, okay. they'll steal you to more than one wife. Uh, but. Yeah, they will. They will. Uh, okay, so the uh, follow-ups from last week. Okay, so our first, uh, our first. Yeah, there's uh, plenty. Our, <laughs> yeah, we, we got a lot going on here. So first of all, uh, this is from mm-hmm. Tad Welch on September first, 2022, in the Church News, uh, DeseretNews.com. Uh, BYU temporarily removes the ROC student section from the volleyball floor after the racist incident, and we uh, talked about this last time. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually there on that yeah. day. You know, this is like Martin Harris, the man who mm-hmm. knew. Al, I was mm-hmm. there. I know, and, and I felt kind of cheeky uh, asking if you had uh, screamed out any racial epithets, uh, because it kind of looks now like maybe nobody screamed out any racial epithets. Well, just you know, yeah, let's get into that here in a sec. But like I said, yeah, don't you, you go Martin. first. <laughs> let, me, let me go back to that Martin Harris. I, you know, yeah, I'm I jumping saw, ahead. <laughs> I saw what I saw. I know what I know. It was no delusion, Al. I was there and I saw it. Just as the sun shines in the window, mm-hmm. I saw this volleyball game. Okay, so it, so the ROC section, first of all, that what does that stand for? Uh, that's the I, student section. Stand, roar of the Cougars. Oh, roar of Cougars. I have I have No, it's been it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the student section yeah. there. So we had the the the, the racist incident there. Uh, what were you saying? That I think we got a, our listeners caught up. If you're not familiar with it, you okay. think we have all these links in our show notes, and we also discussed this last week. So um, what's going on? Okay, so the the BYU Police Department uh, went through and reviewed the video footage. Um, I mean, they, they did a full-on investigation on this, Steve. They took it seriously. They went through, um, and first of all, the young man that the young man that was accused of yelling the racial epithets um, for, like, I think that the, this uh, young lady served twice, and on the second time she served, uh, he was looking at his phone. The first time she served, he wasn't even in his seat. He wasn't anywhere around there. Um, and furthermore. They checked the reactions from the crowd. There was uh, members of the BYU basketball team in attendance, um, uh, African-American members of the BYU basketball team. So there was no response from them. I mean, uh, there was that's kind of the, the real suspicious thing is that we've got an accusation of a very inflammatory word being thrown out there, and it's not uh, inflaming anybody. So, you know, they're looking for they're looking for fire and there's no smoke, you know. And I, I think we were both on board last week. Of course, we condemn any negative racial uh, any, if anything mm-hmm. happened, if anyone used any racial slurs or yeah. um, was it was derogatory towards mm-hmm. uh, Ms. Robinson here. We condemn yeah. that. Absolutely. And, you know, this is something where, uh, you know, they it's not that BYU doesn't have uh, racism on its campus. We're not trying to make that kind of a statement by any means because uh, the TikTok uh, sensation, the Black Menaces, they have certainly proven that there is um, a, what, a, an indoctrination of racism that is just kind of always there uh, with the ignorance of the students. And, you know, it's something we're trying to combat. I would say that there's racism at every institution of higher education. I'm not sure if That's BYU is, is particularly uh, special in that regard. No, um, you know, yeah, this I think gives, you're right. 
you know, this does remind me of why we can't have nice things. Though. One guy comes in. He's not even a BYU student. Yeah. And he allegedly says something, and boom, we're going to get rid of the student section. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, you know, this is, I have a question. So we got the police are involved. Are you going to be arrested for saying the N-word? Um, that's just it. It's like, what is the crime? I mean, is this considered a hate crime? We're certainly heading that direction with uh, regards to um, racism in this country, just because, you know, we understand that um, there are certain words and certain uh, attitudes that come from a time gone past um, that's you know, not even all that far past, but it, it just has a lot of uh, feelings and a lot of connotations attached to it. So, I mean, there's one word, it can really ruin somebody's day. I mean, it, it, there's that argument, oh, well, it's just a word. Anybody should be able to say it. It you know, doesn't mean anything. Oh, it means things. Um, it certainly means a lot. So uh, can you be arrested for saying it? I don't think so. Um, but I'll tell you what, if you commit a crime while saying it, then all of a sudden that becomes a hate crime. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm on board with you 100%. Obviously, we condemn anyone using the N-word. or It, it didn't actually say the N-word. It said racial mm-hmm. slurs. It didn't actually yeah. specify what they were. Mm-hmm. And that should be condemned. That is that is despicable. And uh, that whoever did that, if that's the case, they should be banned from BYU sporting events and maybe even banned uh, from BYU campus for life. Uh, mm-hmm. No, why not? But sure. you're not going to arrest somebody for, let's say that you arrest them on disorderly conduct, give them a misdemeanor, mm-hmm. they're going to spend time in jail for calling someone the N-word? Is, is that is that because the police were involved with this? I mean, is that where we are in our society? If I call so, so if if someone calls me, uh, the, you know, a, a cracker, could, do they also go to jail? Anytime someone calls someone a derogatory name where we've got the police involved and we're being arrested, going to jail is... Um, I, I don't think we're heading quite that direction, but I'll tell you one thing is that if you think we have freedom of speech in this nation, um, well, first of all, you can say whatever you want, but it doesn't mean that there's not consequences attached to that. I mean, if you, if you make threatens or threats against, uh, people in political positions, um, that freedom of speech comes with some pretty heavy consequences. You can't threaten to, you know, knock off the president or governor, um, yeah, I mean, th- there's been uh, several people that have had to suffer consequences for that uh, fairly recently, too. So, yeah, I, I, no yeah. doubt about threats. If you yell fire in a crowded building, that is yep. not uh, that is not protected by the First Amendment. That's if you're right. making a threat to the president of the United States, even on Twitter, some mm-hmm. of these people have been arrested. I get it. That's, those are threats. Yeah. So hate, hate speech, we're, we're kind of teetering on the edge right now. I, hate I, speech, I, we're not sure if. So far, it seems like it's protected, um, although uh, if you can't commit any other crimes with it, because <laughs> if, if you commit any other crime while uh, expressing your hate speech, that becomes a hate crime. Yeah, uh, I, and I, I, really, we, I really don't have a problem with that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, we had Greg from Quick Media on the program uh, yeah. uh, about a month and a half ago. He mm-hmm. did a long expose on this. He's got a lot of sources inside of BYU, and he's pretty attuned to the uh, racial sentiments on BYU, I would say. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, people have been scouring the tapes for these racial slurs, all of these Internet sleuths. Mm-hmm. All of the uh, videos that have been uploaded from the people's personal cameras. There's a lot of people there. Cameras yeah. are going all the time. No mm-hmm. one can find any of these racial slurs at all. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, granted, it's a, a noisy um, 
uh, what a noisy venue where you, I mean, we've both been to the Smithfield house where this uh, took place. Uh, the echoes off the walls uh, make it all the more noisy. So cheering and chanting and whatever going on. Um, even so, uh, not one uh, person that recorded the goings on here was able to pick up audio. Because I think that would uh, surface to the top like cream in a milk bucket, you know? Oh, baby. As soon as one of those comes up, it's going to be – this made the rounds on national news. As soon as one person had that on tape, they'd be on CNN. They'd get a big check, and CNN would be running with it. The fact that nobody's got one, I'm just going to come out on a limb here and say no one is going to find one. Yeah. Um, If they haven't found it by now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They which, would have found it. Which, you know, then we start to look at uh, this uh, young lady that made the accusation. I mean, what a huge disservice that is. I mean, the biggest problem that you have, like, with uh, false reporting of crimes is that it really damages anybody who has uh, legitimately suffered a crime. Um, you know, say, like, uh, for for example, someone who accuses uh another person of uh, raping them. Well, what happens when somebody has uh, been raped and, uh, you know, they, there's that precedent of, oh, well, this person falsely accused someone before. It really, it damages the problem or damages things, right? So, and then it, it makes it harder to take accusations seriously. Without question, that is definitely, definitely the exception and not the rule. The vast yeah. majority of people who report those type of things are to yeah. be believed. And I'm not, say- I'm not saying that she made a false report. She could have been mistaken. Mm-hmm. She could have thought that someone was being derogatory or mm-hmm. racist or saying something demeaning and just gotten it wrong. So That's she possible. Doesn't have, she doesn't have to be lying. You don't have to impugn her integrity. She could just be mistaken. I mean, I've had some, you know, I've had my kids have said something to me and I said, hey, what? I thought you said something bad. No, no, oh, dad, I said this. Oh, okay, no sure. problem. Yeah, I mean, stuff like that happens. But we mishear things all the time. Yeah, sure. so, I mean, they, so the volleyball player's grandma, though, this is where I guess the intrigue gets deeper. The volleyball player's yeah. grandma, Miss Richardson's grandma here, um, mm-hmm. she was one of the first people to be very active in this, taking to social media, taking mm-hmm. it to the news, saying that, her granddaughter was at uh, BYU, which has a, a known uh, issue with uh, racist things and has been her granddaughter was the subject of all these racist insults. And uh, you know, this is absolutely horrible. But guess what? They, they looked into the grandma's uh, social media accounts. She's had a very big history of saying incredibly negative and, quite frankly, racist things in the past. So the person who's really driving this has a very suspect history. Yeah, uh, so the more we look into this, the more that things come to light, we have to question what happened uh, last weekend. Yeah, and also all these BYU alumni are all there. All of these left-wing BYU alumni are, mm-hmm. you know, these these woke BYU alumni. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I'm starting to sound like Greg Media, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to sound like Greg on Quick Media, but all these woke mm-hmm. alumni are posting on their social media, oh, I'm so embarrassed of BYU, and oh, I can't believe that I went to this school. Look at the disgusting things that are happening. I mean, uh, they they went to school with plenty of racist people when they went to BYU too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so and then you know, w- last week we talked about how Tom uh, Holmo, the uh, uh, BYU athletic director, he yeah. came out with a very quick uh, apology. He said, "Let me be clear where BYU stands on this issue: racism is disgusting and unacceptable." And uh, 
I'm starting to actually, I'm starting to question myself because I'm starting to wonder if this apology was really warranted. Yeah, that's the that's the other thing is, I mean, you certainly want to be, um, what sensitive to these things, and you you want to you want to be apologetic uh, if damage has been done, but um, there's also a the legal aspect of it. Um, you know, we, you and I spoke in our, uh, our pre-show talk about this, um, that hopefully we'll be able to put that one up on Patreon. Uh, this, when, the, when there's an apology ex, um, expressed, it usually is implied, um, responsibility. And so there's, it's kind of an admission of guilt. Uh, so yeah, this is something where he might've spoke too soon. But yeah, then, I, then again, it doesn't look all that great for BYU to sit there and say, well, hold on, we're not going to issue an apology until we've reviewed the tape. <laughs> yeah, so the BYU volleyball head coach, uh, Heather Olmstead, she, as soon as she was made aware of it, she took action. Four staff and a uniformed police officer were put in the student section, including the athletic administrator from Duke. So you got all of these moles in there, only one of them's uniform, trying to find whoever it is. Coach Olmstead uh, alerted the management staff, and the crowd uh, has, was very boisterous. And even the Deseret News admits that there was no observations of racist behavior. After the game, a Duke player identified one fan as having yelled a racist remark. He was escorted out of the arena and banned. Um, there's a, this video is publicly available on BYU TV. They called for people to try to find the racist slurs. Nobody has found anything. I mean, it's, just, it's harder to find a racist slur here than it is to find a Lamanite. Interesting. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, why, why are we apologizing for something that may not have happened? You know what yeah. I mean? Um, I don't you know, get the, it. That's going to be kind of a, a theme that uh, we're going to revisit uh, several times today uh, with this uh, with this episode. So get used to that, uh, listener. Going forward, we've got a lot of uh, things where did it actually happen? That's the question. What, what I think he should have done is he said, okay, we take out – first of all, racism has no place at BYU. We condemn – if anything happened, we condemn it. We're going to launch a full-fledged investigation. We invite people – that if you have video footage of the racist remarks, we mm-hmm. want you to uh, – we're, we're in conjunction with the – I don't know, in conjunction with either the athletic department or the police, send that information to here. We're going to scour mm-hmm. the tapes, and we're going to come back and give you a full report. Instead, yeah. he kind of just fell down on his sword and said, oh, you know, we messed up, and um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It seems it seems like he didn't handle it that well. I don't know. Yeah, um, I know that the – that's kind of the problem. So this is such a whirlwind uh, event. I mean, it happened uh, on a Friday, and they were really scrambling by Saturday to figure something out. And, you know, the, the court of public opinion had already crucified most of BYU by Saturday morning. So, uh, yeah, there was just no getting out in front of this. And that's what everybody would expect uh a university to do is to be out in front of this and say, Oh, this is the measures that we're taking. This is, uh, we completely condemn this. And this is, you know, yada, yada, yada. But, um, at the same time, you have to make sure that you're right about it and that you're accurate too. Yeah. I mean, there's also legal repercussions of making an apology for an event still Mm -hmm. unconfirmed. Yeah. You know, why why are we fueling the flames of something that may not have happened? I don't know. And this is actually having, whether it happened or not, whether there were racist remarks or not, this is already starting to have an impact on BYU athletics, isn't it? Oh, it it is for sure. 
Yeah, the South Carolina uh, canceled a women's basketball series with BYU mm-hmm. because of these particular events, and yeah. um, I, it could it could have a wider uh, it could go to even more sports. Yeah, they were supposed to have a uh, they were supposed to have what was it a uh, they were return trip to Provo contracted mm-hmm. in the 2022 to 2023 season. And the head coach said the incident at BYU has led me to reevaluate our home series with BYU. And I don't feel that this is the right time for us to engage in this series. So people are starting to uh, say, you know, BYU, mm-hmm. because of this article, BYU is not a welcoming place and we don't want to have athletics at BYU. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, th- this one is, uh, I-, I guess I can see why, um, South Carolina made the that effort or made that um, what it, that motion, but um, yeah, once again, it's like well, but BYU this may they may not have even done anything. You know, this is they didn't do. And uh, the only accusation is against <clears throat> a non BYU student. BYU had a very swift, mm-hmm. very strong reaction of putting like five, six people in the stands. Yeah. I don't know what more. I mean, you can only do so much to police human beha- literal to mm-hmm. police human behavior. Well, exactly. I mean, what are they going to do? Get rid of everybody that uh, goes to a football game and uh, says horrible things from the football stands? I mean, the majority of people that attend BYU football games are not students. <laughs> yep, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll be waiting to see what happens. Uh, you know, I kind of, I, I wish we, we could just get a wrap up on this from the BYU athletic department. It says, okay, we reviewed mm-hmm. it, and this is what we've come to our determination, um, and this is what we're going to do going forward. I hope though that we're going to see that in the near future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, our next article here is uh, was uh, we referenced this in the intro. It's a Mormon mom who's told to quit her job or get uh, have her church membership removed. And this is an article on the New York Post on the 1st of September 2022. Now, we covered this before. Holly yeah. Jane is 39 years old, and she um, makes $500,000 a year on OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, she's... Um... She's an attractive uh, lady. She's not uh, the youngest lady on there, I'll tell you that. She seems like she's about 40 or so. Um, but even so, yeah, she's doing quite well. And I I mean, I'm not a, an OnlyFans uh, customer. I don't really know what her whole draw is, whether she's using her, um, her Mormon status as a, a way to attract um, subscribers or uh, customers. Um but that's uh, that's one thing that would definitely be wrong. I, I could see the church not approving of that. Um, but yeah, it seems like she's been told now um, by the, by the church leaders uh, you can either have your job or you can have your church membership. So. Yeah, and uh, she started her account back in 2017 when she was widowed after mm-hmm. her husband died in a tragic accident. She didn't have a way to um, provide for herself, and then it's kind mm-hmm. of grown from there. Yeah, she's got a very uh, progressive, sex-positive view of uh, masturbation and sexuality in general, Uh, and she's pretty open about that with her kids uh, in an appropriate way from what she uh, expressed. Her oldest uh, child understands that she has an OnlyFans, and that's how she makes her money. Um, The other kids, they know that, uh, you know, sometimes mommy does... Uh, well, you know, things that uh, younger children are not supposed to see. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah she, she doesn't, uh, you know, she's not 
uh, what irresponsible with them, but at the same time, um, yeah, I believe when we talked about this back in July, I think it was, I thought, yeah, it's just a matter of time. I mean, if you're using your LDS church status to, you know, make a living there or to draw attention, then it's just going to get even more, uh, hot water with the church. I don't know if she's necessarily uh, saying that she's a Mormon mom on OnlyFans. I don't know if her. I don't know either. Yeah. If it's really being, I don't know if that is really central to who she is and, and how she's promoting herself. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess suppose would make a difference. Uh, like we said, uh, someone, uh, one, a media savvy member of her church discovered the news story and and, and immediately quote snitched on her. And this is what Holly <laughs> Jane said. She, she said they told the bishop about my OnlyFans career, and then the mom of three uh, told, said that she was summoned to a meeting with her high ranking church uh, leader, who said you can get off of OnlyFans or you can be uh, removed from the church. Mm-hmm. It was probably one of our listeners that uh, brought it to attention. <laughs> um, I don't know about that. I was, I think it was what I read. It was somebody in her own ward. She goes uh, to church every single Sunday. Yeah, I mean, she's a very active LDS person. Um, yeah. So, which is that's what makes it all all the more surprising is that this is uh, somebody who's in Relief Society every week. You know, uh, reading scriptures, offering commentary. You know. Be doing the best that uh, she can to be the perfect Mormon mom, and she's uh, <laughs> then during the rest of the week, or I guess she goes home and turns on the camera and takes off her clothes. So I guess so. Um, now, I mean, what she's doing is not illegal. No, I mean, it's not. not. No, uh, it's not illegal at all. <clears throat> and that's why I wonder: instead of revoking her church membership, um, can't <laughs> the church just uh, disfellowship her and say, okay? You're not representing the values that we think should be embodied in the church. But why does that mean that you ha- can't come to church? I mean, why do you have to be have your membership completely withdrawn? Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the, the mysteries there. Is it because they don't want? Are they trying to set an example using her as the scapegoat? Well, not scapegoat because I mean she's the guilty party here. But I mean, the church has set up its own. Its own standards, and it uh, it has like uh, drawn the line. Said, "Hey, this is this is against uh, church teachings. You can't live against her- church teachings and maintain a temple recommend." Or right, yeah. Know. So remove her. So let's just start there. Okay, say, mm-hmm. hey, okay, you're not living yeah. up to the church standards. Mm-hmm. Just revoke. Forget this fellowship. Just say, hey, we're going to revoke your t- uh, temple recommend. Yeah, exactly. That would be an appropriate stand or uh, measure to take. That's fine. Um, I mean, yeah, because just... yeah, she she's got. I mean, the article had pictures of her standing there in front of the temple. She's obviously yeah. a temple member. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you could you could do a number of things. Number one, you could revoke the temple record. Number two, you could disfellowship her, which means she can still participate in a limited way in all the church services. Mm-hmm. Um, there's things that you could do here besides just <clears throat> out of a church. And the other thing the church could do is they could just come out with a statement. Instead of revoking mm-hmm. her membership, they could just say, "We don't, we don't subscribe to what Holly Jane is doing. We, mm-hmm. um, she doesn't represent the values of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Mm-hmm. We uh, believe in the law of chastity, and uh, we basically disavow what she's doing. So don't look to her as an example. They could yep. just make a statement on it, and then they could, she could still be coming to church. That's right. I mean, so." Uh, you know, we talked to uh, John Ogden from Uplift Kids about this, and he, I, the more that I thought about what he said, the more, the more, the softer that I've gotten about mm-hmm. uh, re- membership removals. 
as you know, we live in a modern day and age where, you know, we try to, the church should look for a big tent, you know, try to have as many diverse people as possible. If you're not doing something that's illegal, if you're not doing, you know, if you are not a total apostate who is going out on the, on YouTube and telling people, Hey, don't join the church. And you know, the members of the quorum of the 15 are sacrificing chickens inside of the temple, you know, let live and let live. That's, yeah. that's, I, 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 I personally hope that she can just uh, retain her membership in, in some capacity or another because she seems very devout. She prays. She goes to church every Sunday. They have scripture mm-hmm. study. Uh, why are we getting rid of somebody who's not doing anything that's illegal? Especially during a time when the church is uh, losing members like by the droves. Yeah, church growth has uh, has decreased yeah. every single year for the last 10 years with mm-hmm. probably no end in sight. So. Because, you know, what the church is doing now, I mean, it certainly sends a strong message to single mothers that, no, you cannot uh, use sex to um, or sexuality to yeah, make no a sex living. Here. Yeah, although I'm sure that the church had no problem cashing the tithing checks that she was paying. So. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, she's not engaging in any sexual activities with anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. well, no, well, she, well, she's uh, engaging in photography. Um, in fact, I, I, I guess you could go as far as to say she's engaging in art, but um, the relationship that she's having with her uh, fans or subscribers or whatever they would call them, um, then it becomes a little something else. But uh, even so, it's not sexual if you're not in the same room. I mean, you can uh, have a sexual banter and uh, a sexual conversation, but without physical touching, is it, you know, it, it might be uh, inappropriate by church standards, per se. But sure, for she's, sure. She's not guilty of breaking uh, any moral code, as far as I, as far as I'm aware. I mean... Feel free to point out if I'm wrong, but um, I, and I think I think the church would uh, gladly say, "Well, this is you know uh, inappropriate." Of course, fine, go ahead, say it. Yeah, but no uh, go ahead and disavow her. Tell her mm-hmm. that you know, go ahead and even make a public statement. No mm-hmm. problem. I just don't understand why they, she has to lose her membership. That's that's my only thing. Uh, I, I guess the underlying theme that I get with this whole thing, Dvays, is that you got a lady who about a month ago. Um, comes uh, out and does a a news article that says, hey, look how progressive the LDS church is. And uh, the response from the LDS church is, oh, no, we're not. (laughs) So I'm just kind of surprised. Like, oh, yeah, you can be an OnlyFans uh, uh, talent and uh, be a temple card-carrying member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and the church said, no, you can't. <laughs> no, that's, and that's fine. It, and it's also difficult to tell someone, hey, you have to quit your job or you have to quit your church membership. That's a difficult mm-hmm. position. Yeah, for sure. And I uh, I, I really think that uh, when she did the article that she was trying to, um, to, you know, be an advocate or a missionary effort to, like, say, hey, you know, give the LDS Church a, a chance. It's it, they're not as hard nosed as you think they are. Because I'm an OnlyFans, uh, you know, star, and you know, I'm still a member of the church. <laughs> the church's response was, "No, you're not anymore." <laughs> yeah, I guess not. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move along from that one. Uh, just okay. a quick note here. Uh, you know, I I did start a YouTube uh, ch- a series that's called the Mormon Movie Reviews, mm-hmm. which you helped out with, and also your wife helped out a little bit on that too. A little bit, nice. yeah. We uh, we we watched uh, we watched the first uh, 
Uh, let's see. I haven't gotten to the Lost Manuscript, but we've seen episode one and two. Really good. Loaded with information. Um, I've got to recommend to our listeners, if you grew up on uh, watching uh, hokey old seminary movies or LDS films, you need to go and check out this Mormon movie reviews uh, because d does a deep dive into the information and the history behind um, all these movies. And you're, you'll learn things that you, uh, if you thought you knew everything about church history and everything about these movies, especially, um, you'll, I challenge anybody to come uh, after watching this and say, I didn't learn something from d well, hopefully they do. Uh, now, uh, mm-hmm. we have done, released this last week, uh, the Three Witnesses, the 1963 mm-hmm. classic, and also the Lost Manuscript in 1974. Yep. And uh, the first Vision 1976, that's the most famous one. Uh, the church has done that mm-hmm. movie quite a few times about Joseph Smith's first vision, but that's the most famous one. Oh, yeah. Us. Where uh, the young Joseph Smith, uh, he was the same kid that played in, I, I can't remember the actor's name, but he played in Where the Redfern Grows. Yes. Um, yeah, he's uh, he, he did a couple of uh, movies in the 70s and kind of became a pretty good known actor, but uh, then then faded into obscurity after that. Stuart Peterson. Stuart Peterson. OK, that's his name. Yeah. yeah and, I mean, the uh, one that you and the one after that is going to be uh, from time to uh, for time or eternity. And your mm-hmm. wife helped out a lot with that one as well. <laughs> well, oh, we yeah. had we had a good time watching that one with you. Yeah, last that week was and, good. Yeah, we got a little bit of preview for that. So good things coming down the ch- uh, the channel here. So uh, keep keep an eye on Divas's, uh new Mormon movie reviews because uh, boy, they're really good. Yeah, hopefully they are. Um, I, I put a lot of time, uh, an amazing amount of time into each one of these hour long episodes. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Now our yeah. uh, next, uh, we're gonna move. That's all the follow ups from last week. Now our uh, one, our first article here is one that I I kind of hate to mention. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I hesitate to mention it because I do not like to, as a so-called news source here, Mormon News Roundup, mm-hmm. I don't want to delve into um, news sources that are not verified, that are speculative, that mm-hmm. there's a lot of random stuff out there on Reddit and the conspiracy theories that uh, the, that somebody was on the top of Ensign Peak and saw, you know, Elder Iring uh, sacrificing goats, you know, just a lot yeah. of random, a lot of mm-hmm. random crap around there. So I don't like to delve into the speculative, but we are with this next article just a little bit because mm-hmm. uh, Bonnie Corden's grandson's death is uh, raising some questions, isn't it, Al? Well, the reason why we're delving into this is because unlike the, the BYU thing, um, there's some smoke around this one and somebody's saying that there's fire. So that's it, it's worth mentioning. And all, furthermore, it's becoming big, pretty big news. People are driving this. Um, we're looking into a debt that um, there, there's now some suspicion around it. Yeah. So, so uh, first of all, um, we, we have a couple of leaked documents here and they are not they have not been totally uh, substantiated. They have not been a completely mm-hmm. verified. But we're talking about the uh, the, uh, the autopsy report, the child mm-hmm. fatality prevention specialist reports, some of the police reports that were involved with this. So let me just give mm-hmm. you the basic breakdown back in 2016. On about uh, December 9th, uh, Bonnie Corden, who's the young mm-hmm. women's uh, president, was on a family vacation to Disney World in Orange County. Mm-hmm. At nighttime, uh, Bonnie Corden's daughter, her son, um, pa- ended up passing away suddenly. 
And from the um, chief medical examiner's report that's been leaked, and again, these are not verified, we understand that, but there's a lot of leaked documents that are surrounded to this, and it's really starting to really add up. It's saying that the manner of the death of Bonnie Corden's grandson was homicide from blunt head and neck trauma. Basically, the two-and-a-half-year-old child was shook to death, uh, shook mm -hmm. to death. Yeah. It's absolutely tragic. Yeah, and that's, that's where it's getting to be really heartbreaking. Um, you know, any kind, anytime that there's a, a death of an infant, it's a tragedy. And especially when you have things like, well, he was shaken. Um, I guess, you know, one might say, well, could it have been uh, from riding some sort of roller coaster at, uh, at Disneyland? Well, I, I don't think so because it's not really something that happens. At Disneyland, so you don't hear about kids getting shaken baby syndrome or uh, having problems like that from yeah, I mean, from riding even Big Thunder Mountain, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's cervical, according to this uh, report, <clears throat> uh, cervical spine cord hemorrhage, uh, uh, optical hemorrhage, contusions yeah. in the brain, serious. Mm -hmm. And Bonnie Corden's daughter, Hannah Corden, was arrested and child uh, and charged with aggravated child abuse. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's just a lot of questions that are surrounding this. Well, why are we bringing this up? I mean, uh, uh, if, if a member of the, the church leadership, if they had a family member who, um, you know, I'm not saying that it is true, but it was involved with something like this, that would be tragic. I don't think it would be necessarily newsworthy. The reason that I'm bringing it up is because uh, Sister Corden time and time again has spoken about this particular incident over the pulpit, in talks, in um, uh, official church publications, talking about how this tried her faith and ended up being a faith-promoting experience, which really has a lot of people scratching their heads. Yeah, and that's where it gets a little bit uh, newsworthy as to, okay, if she's painting a, a very different picture than what the autopsy report says, is she trying to rewrite history? Um, you know, or is she just trying to, uh, paint this in the most favorable light possible? Um, what is her motivation? I, I know that, you know, with her, uh, position that she's, you know, there to, <clears throat> that she's got to provide information and talks and she's got to, you know, give inspiration to, to the masses. But, um, I mean, if, if this was something more, uh, sinister than, than just a, uh, yeah, if there was something that really evil that happened here, then, um, that's not the sort of way to use it, uh, in order to teach a lesson. Yeah. Apparently, uh, eventually there were, uh, she, her daughter was arrested, but eventually no charge of the prosecutor decided not to bring any charges. Um, and this this is making the rounds because here on 24th of August, 2022, in the church news, we see an article that says how President Corden learned to hashtag hear him after her grandson's death. So it says Bonnie, uh, President Corden shares how she found healing while fulfilling an assignment at the primary children's hospital in Utah. So she reflects that uh, her grandson's death was very difficult for her, but she uh, relied, uh, relied on the Lord to get herself through going to a children's hospital, mm -hmm. uh, which must be really, really hard for her. I, yeah. I, you know, my heart goes out to her. Um, but if you look at the circumstances, and there's quite a, quite a bit of uh, evidence here that uh, we don't have time to go through all of it, that mm -hmm. a lot of it, I understand, is unconfirmed. But there's just a lot of evidence that this, this death here 
was not just a simple, um, you know, a tragic accident or something like that. It, it really does seem to be that there was a, some intent um, the part on, on the part of Sister Corden's daughter. Yeah, what you've got is um, on a when you have like a, a newborn infant, uh, someone that's uh, six weeks old, then shaken baby syndrome. It doesn't take much. You can you can shake a, a baby and uh, causes enough damage to kill it. Um, a two and a half year old kid, a toddler. Um, it takes a little bit more, well, it takes a lot more than just a shaking because by that time the cranium is fully formed. The, uh, um, neck muscles are developed enough to hold the head up. And so there's a lot more resistance, um, to that kind of fragility. So in order for, um, there to be a, a level of abuse to cause a death in a two year old or two and a half year old, it's, uh, it's a significant amount of abuse that's yeah, required. Yeah, I'm looking at the obituary of this uh, poor, uh, poor child here, Derek Nolan Corden, and it talks mm -hmm. about uh, all of these documents. It never talks about his child, his uh, cause of death. It just says that he passed away in um, mm -hmm. Arnold Palmer Hospital in Orlando, Florida, at the age of two and a half. And it's really, really tragic. You know, um, yeah. condolences are, are to the family, and of course, we don't want anyone to take this podcast and you know, think that they have the ability to make a repercussion or, or to take action or to be a vigilante of any sort. That is not what we're saying whatsoever. No, not at all. Um, what we're saying is that uh, there is a story that's going around right now. We feel compelled to report on it because it is um, it is a story. There is news. Um, but un unlike with the BYU volleyball uh, thing, let's... Uh, Let's withhold judgment and uh, let's not make any rash uh, yeah, conclusions here. Let's let's watch it play out. I'm sure that you know this is there's legal entities involved in this. They're let's see what they say. They're well, doing the investigation. That's the thing. Is this the, well the investigation? Al is done. This is back in 2017. No mm -hmm. charges have been brought. Um, she was arrested, and the coroner's report said that the uh, mother's. Let me see here. The mother mm -hmm. had impulsive and violent action. And the father had inaction. So after um, they shook, after the mother shook the son, after Hannah shook uh, ba uh, Derek, mm -hmm. um, he he was unresponsive for almost a period of an hour. And that's why the mm -hmm. coroner's report says that the father is also uh, somewhat responsible and that they did not call for 911 and they did not take yeah. the child to the hospital for a full hour. So this is just the circumstances surrounding this child's death are very are very troubling. We yeah. know for a fact that she was arrested. Okay. No charges were mm -hmm. ended up uh, being filed. We get that. But how is that the source of a faith promoting story that is making the rounds? Is that really what we want to use for a faith promoting story? I, I realized that the daughter was ended up uh, not having any charges. I, she hasn't been exonerated, mm -hmm. but there's no charges. And yeah. that doesn't seem like the, a great basis to try to build testimonies off of. I, I don't think so. Um, I think that there's better stories that can be used. I I am a little bit suspicious when um, when uh, Bonnie Cor uh, Corden talks about it to see if, if is she trying to paint this as like a different history than what actually happened. If so, then that's uh, very uh, hurtful to the memory of her grandson. Um, it's not uh, not helpful in the least. Okay, so, um, so let, let's just I, I hope we don't have another Paul H. done on our hands. I'll say that. 
I, you know, I, I just, I don't know what to think when yeah. I, I don't know what to think based upon all the information that I have. And I realize that mm -hmm. some of this is unsubstantiated it's leaks, sure. it's stuff, it, it, it's not fully corroborated, but it mm -hmm. looks pretty legitimate from what I've seen from a number of different sources from autopsy report to medical examiner's reports to obituaries, mm -hmm. other statements. Now, if you, we're going to link to the Mormonism live did a full three hour episode on this with a radio free Mormon and bill real, where they mm -hmm. really do a deep dive into it, which we don't have the time to be able to do. Yeah. But there's just a lot of questions surrounding this. And I greatly question why this is a, a good story to be used to build anyone's faith. It, it doesn't seem like mm -hmm. a faith promoting, uh, an appropriate faith promoting story, regardless of whether somebody is going to end up going to jail. Yeah. Um, this is kind of like trying to build a sermon off of one of those obscure Old Testament stories where horrific things happen. Yeah. yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. so our next article here is on August 29, 2022, and it's on MyHeraldReview.com, and it says, uh, this is by uh, Lida Longa, and it's LDS lawyers aim to block testimony of clerk in the abuse case. So representatives of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, this is back to the um, AP story that happened, uh, you know, the, the, the AP scandal story in a Arizona about uh, Paul, what was his name, uh, Paul Adams. Mm -hmm. So they are asking a higher tribunal to block an order by a superior court judge that would compel the ward clerk from that Arizona church to divulge the confessions of Paul Adams. Um, so what's going on in that uh, particular case there, uh, Al? Okay, so with this case, um, this has been a big one. This has been uh, the driving uh, case or you know, for a long time, and uh, this is just the next thing to come out. We've um, got the church that's saying, well, there's a uh, priest penitent privilege with regards to confessions that were made to the, um, to the bishop. Um, but this one's actually a little bit of a loophole because this one's looking for the, uh, this one's looking for the testimony of, uh, non, let's see. Yeah. Non-clergy. Um, this is a clerk would be. Well, uh, I don't think you would consider a ward clerk to be clergy. You would consider no. their calling to be uh, what, um, like the uh, oh, what, what, what? an administrative yeah. assistant or a secretary. Yeah, administration, exactly. Yeah, um, so the support staff for the clergy, sure. Um, and so this is the loophole that um, the court's trying to use to get around that uh, uh, priest penitent privilege um, and the. Uh, uh, the court uh, <laughs> has, has been submitted by the church. Hey, um, we want to block the, the clerk's uh, testimony. Well, that's kind of the, the problem is that uh, the church um, before all this didn't have that uh, loophole, loophole closed. So it's very possible that the court, especially with the, such a, a high profile uh, case as this and um, where there's so much at stake, they want to get to the bottom of it. All the notes from the disfellowshipment, from the excommunication, from uh, that church court—that's going to be the clerk taking those notes in that in that room. Yeah. So, so the bishops who were involved, they uh, have invoked priest penitent privilege, and they're not going to be compelled to give any testimony. Mm -hmm. the, the, the clerk, on the other hand, he doesn't have that. So the uh, the lawsuit that's going forward is saying, "Hey, we want the clerk to be compelled to testify as to what's." What took place mm -hmm. and the church is blocking that is putting in a motion saying, no, we don't want the clerk to tell what has happened. So, yeah. I mean, this is just from uh, I think a lot of people will perceive this as saying, hey, this is just another step that the church is taking 
to try to either cover this up or bury this case um, and, and not come down on the side of the victims, but instead, once again, trying to come down on the side of the perpetrator. The perpetrator who is dead now, um, you know, you're trying to cover up his testimony. It's just, I don't know, uh, seeing a lot of bad news this week, Al. I'll, I'll say this is this week's a, a tough one because there's a lot of uh, real icky stuff in it, you know? Uh, so if you were looking for um, a lot of humor, a lot of, uh, you know, lighthearted things, uh, some interesting, especially if you're looking for something to put the church in a good light, this week is not the week. <laughs> no, and I really try not to cherry pick these articles here, but uh, this is really coming up. People, again, this yeah. is you're kind of ripping the ripping open the wound afresh because mm-hmm. if the church was trying to come clean and say, you know, uh, we want to do right by the victims, then. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're trying yeah. to keep everything under wraps as much as possible mm-hmm. instead of letting things come out to light. Exactly. And keep keeping in mind that this is the church that claims to be the only one, only true church. So that, you know, this is their actions is to try and block uh, truth from coming out instead of saying we will comply in whatever way, because we are that uh, committed to the truth. Um, this is, uh, this is a court case just like uh, anything else where it's like, okay, you're making allegations against us. You have to be able to provide the evidence. So prove it. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. I mean, this case is, we're only hearing about this case because the family basically decided not to settle. There's mm-hmm. so many other cases out there where the yeah. church is just coming in and saying, mm-hmm. signing NDAs and saying, yeah. you know, we're going to give you millions and that they'd never see the light of day. Yeah, for sure. Um, you're absolutely right. The only reason why this one got the light of day is because uh, these girls deserve better. Yeah. And, and along the same lines, there's more yeah, more news from the AP. We thought that we were mm-hmm. going to try to put the AP sex abuse scandal behind us. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think everybody from the church to everybody else was hoping to leave this behind. But it's still in the light. And the, our next article is along the same lines. And this is from that same um, Herald Review there, the Arizona mm-hmm. paper in the town of Cochise County, I guess, is which is where this took place. Yeah. And it's the former bishop who was named in the suit that we're talking about. He's mm-hmm. uh, this is a bit. There was two bishops involved, but this is the uh, Bishop Herod and then Bishop Robert Mousey. I'm not sure I'm saying that right. I think that's right. right. Mousey, yeah. <laughs> He's going to be appointed to the uh, Palominas District County Elections Board, even yeah. though even though he is currently under criminal investigation and the church that um, he was representing as a as an official representative of the church is being sued so he's embroiled in scandal but he's going to be appointed to the county elections uh uh just uh i want to say uh, i think it was two days ago he was appointed mm-hmm. well you know how it goes dvs nothing goes hand in hand like politics and scandal so, yeah, yeah i mean oh my <laughs> goodness uh, is is there nobody else that they could appoint? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, Mousy, he's the one who did excommunicate uh, Paul Adams, mm-hmm. who was the perpetrator in the AP abuse case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's, uh, so that goes to his credit. Um, it, it probably is a little late, uh, you know, but even so, better late than never, I guess. Yeah, it's just like, well, I mean, we have a fish. It, it seems, I don't know, It's the voters can obviously vote however they want, but uh, bu- uh, putting somebody in, a, in a, a public position who's currently under criminal investigation and he was a representative in a very controversial case in which people were seriously harmed mm-hmm. by 
a direct result of his inaction. Remember, the Arizona law said that he could have been a reporter. They're, they're, yeah. It's optional in Arizona, so he could have reported and mm -hmm. stopped the harm on these two young girls. And he's yeah. being criminally investigated. He's being appointed to a a, a public position. Uh, that yeah. uh, that really strains. Uh, that really strains. Uh, that, that that's shocking. Yeah, especially. I mean, in the event that he gets charges placed against him for not uh, for being an accessory to the crime for not reporting it, well you know, they're going to have to find somebody to take his place anyway. So I just don't know why they wouldn't uh, try to appoint somebody that doesn't have an open investigation going on that could result in the candidate being sent to jail. Now, I don't think that he can be arrested because this was during a priest penitent yeah. privilege. But the problem also that I've read about him is that he was the family physician. So oh. as a physician, physicians are mandatory reporters of child abuse. a double whammy, yeah. <clears throat> so you're saying, could he be arrested? Well, probably not, but I don't know. This has got to work its way through because you're a physician. Someone has told you an act of uh, sexual child abuse. You're a mandatory reporter. Yeah. So wh which one supersedes, wh which one is prime uh, or, you know, which one is the more important law? Yeah, this is, this is a tough one. This one's going to get, uh, this is going to be really interesting. I'm glad I'm not the judge, jury, or executioner on this. Uh, you know, now that I'm reading the article, actually, maybe it was John Herod, who was the well-known doctor. Um, oh, was Herod the doctor? I'm okay. sorry. I think uh, I think I may have misspoke there. But okay. you wonder, see, this AP abuse thing didn't really hit until last month. He had already been running for office, and so no, probably nobody knew. Yeah. And by then, the votes would probably be in, and it's too late. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, what a, what a mess. Yeah, sure uh, is. A lot of mess in the news this week. We have two articles left, and we are going to end on a high note here. Al, you've got the next article here. I do. Um, and this one is a bit of a mess for the church. It's not uh, quite so icky as far as, uh, you know, sexual assault or uh, murder of children. But this one um, is the LDS Church Loses Billions in 2022. Uh, this one's coming from the, the Salt Lake Tribune, and it... Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so the, there's a couple of uh, big points that need to be brought out with this one. All right. So the LDS Church it did lose tens of billions of dollars from the uh, Enzyme Peak uh, investment uh, firm. So uh, with that, <laughs> um, here's the interesting thing uh, that I find, Eves, is that the church uh, uh, lost 6% in the first quarter. Um, by comparison, uh, would you like to venture a guess as to what the Dow industrial average uh, lost in the first quarter? I don't, I would think it was like 20%, wasn't it? Or I don't know. No, 4.6%. It wasn't okay, so nearly so bad. So the church actually did worse than oh, the Dow. Oh, you know, maybe they should have paid <clears throat> a little bit more about which stocks to buy. One would think so, right? I mean, that one would think that the church should be ahead of the curve and still no, behind. Now that I'm, that's funny. Now that I'm thinking about it, if Jesus is leading the church and he is also, you know, leading ends, he, Jesus obviously wants Enzyme Peak to succeed, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So exactly. wouldn't, wouldn't he be inspiring the leaders of the church to invest in the absolute best stocks? That way, mm -hmm. his church would have the most amount of resources to save. His, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to save the humans on this planet. Well, exactly. I mean, when when you take uh, the widow's mite and you bury it in the ground, 
um, and then come back 10 years later, then the Lord is not pleased to just get that uh, one widow's mite back. When you take that widow's mite, give it to somebody who squanders it, and um, he doesn't get it back, he's uh, upset as well. The Lord is only uh, pleased with those that take that widow's mite and come back with 10 widow's mites at the end of that 10 years and hands it back to the Lord. Yeah, so apparently the Ensign Peak managers here, the advisors, they are wicked and slothful servants because they're doing they're yes. doing worse than if you just put it in a regular Dow Jones Industrial Average, you could have lost mm-hmm. four point six. They're doing they're doing worse. They're wicked and slothful servants. Exactly, and I, I know that I'm totally taking two different uh, Bible stories and mashing them together, but um, it's all in good fun. This is uh, th- this one's messy for the church. They lost, they lost big, but at the same time. Uh, they, they're still billionaires, multi-billionaires. They still have hundreds of billions of dollars. So uh, this wasn't detrimental. Um, that's, that's a lot of money. I mean, tens of billions of dollars that they lost and they're still, yeah. Yeah. In the quarter, it says that they lost $1.6 billion in the quarter. quarter, They they are Mm -hmm. losing. There's not, everybody is losing. Yeah, the the stock market's down, no question about it. It's been a rough year for the stock market, um, everybody across the board. But let me tell you that for even for losing billions, the church is still going to be there um, when the market goes back to bull and uh, and makes it to run again. So yeah, uh, they, they will now. I mean, Ensign Peak, they start. How do we know about all this? Well, it's because of uh, Lars Nielsen, who uh, was yeah. the whistleblower complaint, and they st- that forced Enzyme Peak to start filing uh, uh, SEC reports starting. So we get a quarterly SEC report now out of the church starting in February of 2020, which reveals how much the fund has. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, Lars Nielsen, um, thank you very much for uh, blowing the whistle there and saying, hey, the church is sitting on billions, hundreds of billions of dollars. And uh, that came out, the, and the IRS said, okay, maybe all of a sudden we need to start paying attention to these guys. And so now the IRS is expecting quarterly reports, and they're getting quarterly reports, and yeah, these are their findings. Well, so. with, that, with the church losing that much in uh, the stock market, you know, maybe it is the reason that the church leaders are pushing tithing so hard. I mean, we got to make, mm-hmm. make up for that deficit. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, could be. Sense. <laughs> makes sense to me. And, and once again, if you, if you want uh, net blessings, pay net tithing. If you want gross blessings, pay gross tithing. But uh, they might remove that option for the net blessings um, going forward. We'll see. What about <laughs> gro- what about gross stock losses? How much? Exactly. What do you, what, exactly. We got to the gross tithing <laughs> so that we can cover our gross stock losses. <laughs> you know, I don't want. I want net losses. Those are smaller. You know, when it comes. Yeah. You for know, sure. So, so I guess I better I guess I better pay on net because the church is losing so much money in Enzyme Peak that I don't want you know this isn't a big time. Maybe you should be paying more tithing when Enzyme Peak is doing well. That way the church yeah. will be making more money, and then you should reduce tithing when it's not doing well because you're not going to have as much. Because isn't that exactly how rainy day funds work? Yeah, I mean, that actually makes sense. The more that I think about it, it certainly does. Okay, that does bring us to our final and feature article here, which is uh, Untold, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist. So this is the uh, story uh, from Notre Dame to the NFL. Manti Teo's future in football showed promise until a secret online relationship sent his life and career spiraling. And why are we covering this on the Mormon News Roundup? Well, it's because Manti Teo is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, maybe one of the most popular athletes 
uh, out there, right, Al? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, at least he was when he was playing for Notre Dame. Sure. Um, and when this whole thing came out, um, yeah, the rest of the world had no problem uh, poking fun at his expense, which comes with celebrity status. I mean, that's kind of the, the sad thing is it is a double-edged sword. And they did make a mention of that in the, the show um, that uh, it's shocking. Uh, anybody that's uh, that's had any kind of celebrity contact will understand mm-hmm. that um, the the media is very quick to build you up. And they're even quicker to tear you down. So this uh, this poor guy, go to Netflix, uh, watch Untold, the uh, the girlfriend who didn't exist, and uh, this one, let me tell you, it's it's heartbreaking. This one was uh, this was this was rough to watch uh, actually because this poor guy. Um, <clears throat> all right, it's uh, they mid two thousands, and uh, he's. You know, uh, online dating is becoming a thing, and uh, he finds somebody on uh, Facebook that just sends him a message. It's like, hey, you know, uh, let's uh, let's be friends on Facebook. And he's like, uh, do I know you? And she's like, well, I know your cousin. And uh, like this uh, this uh, person, he reached out to his cousin. He's like, yeah, I've uh, talked with her a little bit. Um, yeah, she's cool. And he's like, okay, so he starts striking up a relationship with this person. Um, only thing is, Manti Teo did not have any idea that it was um, another, uh, it was a Samoan male that he was uh, engaging in this relationship with over the internet. Um, and he was definitely getting catfished. And he, I mean, everything looked uh, looked good to him. He had, uh, there was pictures, there was a story. And the, the crazy thing is, is that we have the, the perpetrator. <clears throat> and I call it a perpetrator because, I, I mean, it just feels like a crime was committed. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it, even though he was like, never arrested. Not, never arrested because there's not, really, <clears throat> there's not really any law that says, oh, you can't lie to somebody and create a <laughs> fake uh, online persona and engage in a relationship. Uh, th- now, it, had he been soliciting him for money, I believe that he could have gone after him. Um, In fact, I think that there, at the end of this, I would probably assume that there would be some sort of uh, way to uh, go after that person uh, legally, like for financial uh, recuperation, especially since uh, Manti Teo went from being a a first-round draft pick uh, candidate to he didn't get drafted until the second round. I mean, it 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 impacted uh, his the the relationship that he had, and this the way this person manipulated him um, really affected his college uh, football career. It affected his uh, professional career. He he went from being on top of the world with tons of support because his uh, his grandmother and his girlfriend had died the same day, but then people found out that his girlfriend wasn't dead. That she, um, in fact, never existed. Yeah. And so then people turned on him and said, "Well, I'll bet you he was. In, I'll bet you he was involved in it." Well, yeah, yeah he, he was involved, part. but he was the uh, he was the victim. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a legitimate uh, concern to have. So, uh, he, up, yeah. He was a Heisman Trophy finalist, uh, <laughs> and in 2012, uh, a Deadspin article broke out the news that uh, Kakua who was uh, Teo uh, Mantis. He's been communicating with her on a regular basis. He was actually the social media creation of Naya, who has yeah. since come out as a trans woman. 
And yeah. the thing about the thing about arresting Naya or going after Naya, first of all, Naya doesn't look like she has she's trans now, so Naya yeah. doesn't have, doesn't look like she has any money. You want to go after her? There's nothing there. And exactly. Matt Mateo, he doesn't need any money. He was in the NFL. He made millions in the NFL. Yeah, that's so, true. So, so I mean, Manti still came out on top. It was just boy, that poor guy. And you know, I gotta hand it to him. He this guy had a really good attitude. I mean, I, I fell victim to catfishing once upon a time myself. Oh, my goodness. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, as a matter of fact, in the early 2000s, and, uh, you know, online dating was a thing. And, uh, you know, I I ended up getting strung along. I didn't get strung along for three years. Um, I got strung along for, I think, three months and realized wow. that, wait a second, this person uh, keeps coming up with excuses why we can't meet. Um, and so... After, after three months, I said, look, if I'm never going to get to meet you, it's over. And that was the end of it. But that was, but you know, coming to terms with that, uh, it, it's not a, uh, something that I came to on my own. It's something that I had to get some help in order to come to that conclusion to say, hey, the person that I'm dealing with, if they were a real person, there wouldn't be all these uh, roadblocks getting in the way or horrible tragedies that were happening where, oh, this person was in a car wreck and this person who was in the hospital couldn't uh, couldn't meet me because of this or missed a plane or something, you know, and it was, uh, for Manti Teo, um, all those things happened to him too. Like, oh, well, I, I, when do I get to meet you? And it's like, oh, I, I've, I've got this thing I've got to go do with my family this weekend, so I won't be able to meet with you this weekend. Oh, that sucks. And, you know, uh, Manti Teo, He's just a college kid. I mean, the kid, the, the guy's 21 years old, right? I mean, he's a young kid. And yet we're like, oh, how did he not know uh, that he was being catfished? Well, I mean, go become a victim of catfishing yourself. Go go out there and find somebody who can manipulate you into believing that there's somebody that they really aren't. I mean, have you ever interacted with a manipulative person? <laughs> I think we all have and it's not fun. They're not they're not enjoyable people to be around. They're and furthermore, they're people that are just looking to get whatever they can out of you. And that's what really um, infuriated me watching this show is they're giving us the perpetrator's point of view. And the perpetrator doesn't really seem remorseful. No, uh, not, not really at all. I, I, they're like, yeah, this is what I did. And, you know, I, I did some things. That, and th this person identifies as a Christian even today, even though they're transgender. I'm just like, okay, this is another thing where I'm like, okay. So I'm thinking that the whole transgender thing, uh, first of all, the, the uh, guy originally, uh, and I say guy because pre-transgender, pre-transition, um, he had, seemed like he identified as a, a homosexual male. Um and then all of a sudden, after this whole thing went down, he found that uh, he couldn't get a job anywhere. And that's pretty much what he says right off the bat in the first episode is uh, nobody would hire me because I uh, scammed Manti Teo. Um, and so then all of a sudden he moves to America, so American Samoa and gets um, uh, gender reassignment surgery and uh, says, OK, well, I identify as a female now. Uh, you know, and that's something that I don't want to incite a lot of uh, hate from the LGBTQ community for that, but it just seems to me like it was a measure that would benefit him uh, as a way to get out of trouble 
rather than a way to uh, make things right that he'd made wrong with Anti Teo. And, you know, I'll, I'll leave it at that. It just seemed to me like it was a way out for him. And so I've, I, you know, watching this, I'm just like, are you, are you freaking kidding me? How is this person still walking around free and able to live their life when, you know, they completely destroyed Manti Teo's life? Yeah, yeah I mean, but, so this do- since you are catfish style, this documentary really hits close to home, right? It does. It hits close to home. And, you know, this is one where it's like, I, okay, I know what it's like to have somebody toy with your feelings like that. And, you know, Manti, he was in love with somebody who was created, who w- who didn't exist. And, you know, they said, well, this, uh, this, um, this catfisher, he couldn't have possibly done all these uh, voices. Um, and then, like, right on the screen, you see him with the Dr. Phil show. That he goes behind, like, some sort of privacy screen and uh, does a little bit of meditation and then gives you pretty much the exact same uh, voicemail that he left to Manti Teo in this... Uh, Lene's voice. And I'm just like, okay, you know, this guy uh, is really good, you know, and uh, not is in really good at, uh, really good at manipulating. Not a really good person, not a good Christian by any means, but uh, yeah, a really good manipulator. A master uh, master deceiver. Absolutely. Master deceiver. Yeah, and I and I wonder, did Manti's Mormon, did his LDS faith contribute to this, or was it incidental? Because you know, sometimes the church teaches you his uh, his fake girlfriend was a Latter Day Saint. Manti mm-hmm. was raised as a Latter Day Saint. Um, did, did that have anything to do with it, or or could this have just happen to anyone? Does does the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints teach you to be very trusting of other people, or is this just incidental? Uh, certainly could have happened to anyone. Uh, I'll tell you one thing is that Utah is kind of the scam capital of the United States. Uh-huh. And uh, so like we're the people in Utah are taught to be very trusting. Um, and we don't, we don't teach uh, stranger danger nearly as well in the state of Utah as we teach it in some other parts of the country. Um, you know, we don't teach street smart so much. We just teach, Oh, well, this person's, a member of the church, so therefore you can trust them. And, you know, that's that attitude that causes a lot of people to find financial ruin, to get uh, scammed out of things by people in their ward, to get signed up for um, multi-level marketing scams, uh, you know, because their elders quorum president just started it up into it or, or whatever. And there's just a lot of that that goes on in the state of Utah a lot higher rate than around the rest of the country because I think the rest of the country says, you know, you can't lock your door when you go to church because you can't trust that the other people aren't going to make off with it. And it's okay to to take those precautions. It's okay to be safe about things. It's okay to lock your doors and to get an alarm system and to, you know, protect what's rightfully yours. It's okay to be skeptical about people that you meet and, you know, be slow to warm up. There's nothing wrong with that. It's actually a very smart way to be. But, you know, boy, here in the, the state of Utah, it seems like they're like, oh, yeah, uh, just you know, be friends with every, anybody and everybody. And sometimes that can get you into trouble. I mean, uh, I look at a situation where, like Elizabeth Smart, uh, when she got kidnapped, uh, she, she talked about how she was manipulated and she, you know, was uh, controlled by this guy and, you uh, you know, there, there's, there's people out there that will take advantage of you. 
and uh, especially the younger yarn. Now, keep in mind, once again, Manti Teo, he had just uh, gotten into Notre Dame fresh out of high school. He was a young kid, 18 years old. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he, he, I mean, maybe his faith did contribute. It's hard to say, you know, he, he had his faith and positive attitude through all this though was really amazing. I mean, a lot mm -hmm. of people lose faith when bad things happen and he was able to keep it through together during his grandma's death being, you know, humiliated on national. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he was made a laughing stock on national television being catfish. I and mean, he's just a very forgiving person. I mean, his entire persona is just someone that you can really look up to and emulate. I mean, he's a real, real example. Yeah, um, one of the most important things that uh, I that I noticed from this movie, um, right at the end of the second, it's only two episodes. Um, you can watch it, in, in, you know, in an evening. Just you know, go and see it. This is worth watching. Uh, good, uh, it's good. Well, I wouldn't say good entertainment, but a good cautionary tale. It's a good story. And Manti Teo, he was really struggling. Uh, there was such a a stark contrast between going to Notre Dame and starting his first game there to going to uh, the LA chargers and starting his first game with the chargers. I mean, he was so confident with the, with Notre Dame. He walked out onto that field. He owned it. He, it was his territory and he started off just, you know, came like a bull out of the gate. He, uh, you know, was hitting people and knocking them down and uh, tackling and uh, boy, it was awesome to watch him. And you see that in the in this show, but then he goes to the Chargers, and this is after the whole catfishing thing, and his confidence is just sapped. Uh, he walks out into the field, and he's numb. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's missing hits. He's, uh, I mean, he's he's playing, but he's not doing well. He's not being Manti Teo that everybody fell in love with. So he goes to a, a therapist, and the therapist asks him, um, "Have you uh, have you forgiven?" Uh, the person that catfished you. And he's like, yeah, I have. And he says, okay, I want to ask you another question. Then and he says, have you forgiven yourself? And he's like, what do you mean? Forgive myself. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm the victim here. And he's like, well, you uh, were so confident before. And yet you allowed yourself to, to fall victim to this kind of deception. Can you accept that and understand that you were just a young kid that didn't uh, know any better? And you know, it, uh, it was a really profound thing. Like, yeah, this is these are the the steps that you have to take in order to get over the uh, being manipulated like that. Because, I mean, yeah, like I said, he was in love with this girl that was invented by this guy. <laughs> yeah, and people were uh, saying, claiming that Manti was gay and that he was yeah. in on the conspiracy, and that the girlfriend thing was just something to cover up his gayness because he was a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints and couldn't you know, couldn't come out openly as gay. I mean, just, I mean, it's amazing that we even have to say that Manti's not gay. He's married now, but I guess we have to say it. Yeah, married and has a kid. I think he's living in Utah. In fact, um, yeah, a heck of a good guy, but, uh, you know, uh, that's one of the things is, is that he was, a, this person was able to break down the barriers that he had. Uh, and so this, this person's a con artist and you would know, say con artist has in confidence, able to build confidence in their persona that they uh, create. So Manti Teo, uh, he found th certain things that took down his, uh, the, these barriers or of mistrust. And it was 
Okay, this person's a member of the same church as me. This person is a Polynesian like me. Not only are they Polynesian, they're also Samoan, you know, come from the same part of Polynesia, uh, you know, originally. And uh, so they, you know, the more and more that you come to find, you know, also, oh, this person comes from a football playing family. So they know they know football like my family does. And, you know, these things are really important to this yeah, person. In fact, in fact yeah. the director of the documentary is Polynesian. Yeah. has a lot of experience with football films. I mean, most of everybody involved with this film, including the cameraman and others, they're all Polynesians. I mean, there yeah. is something very special about the Hawaiian and Polynesian culture that it, in some ways it kind of sets you up to be more trusting. I mean, you served your mission in Hawaii. Are the Hawaiian mm -hmm. people, are they very trusting? or? They're very loving. They're very open. They'll, yeah. they'll take anybody and everybody in. And, you know, the, uh, when it comes to football, I got to say that, like pre nineteen ninety, you didn't see a ton of uh, Polynesians in uh, in football, but as soon as they figured out that oh hey football's a game, Polynesian people are built for football. They're massive, they're powerful, um, they're fast. That <laughs> they're just they're great for football, and so it seems like football was created for Polynesians, if not Polynesians created for football. This is. Yeah, when and that's why you see so many Polynesians in football. It's like you know, it's like a duck to water. They're that's where they belong. This is a, a, a second home for them, and that's why it's so important to them. Yeah, and LeBron, you know, this is really uh, you know, uh, Manti Teo is probably the second most famous uh, Mormon athlete uh, around. I, I would think it would be Zach Wilson and then Manti Teo. I mean, I know there's still Steve Youngs out there, but he's ancient history. I think I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean Steve Young from the '80s and '90s. <laughs> yeah, I that's, mean, he's, yeah. that's ancient history. Exactly. It's it, it's been a lifetime since he played for the 49ers. Yeah, so but, when a lot of people think about a uh, uh, Mormon athlete, they're going to think about Manti Teo, and including LeBron James. He weighed in on this uh, documentary just a couple of days ago. He had a, <laughs> a message for Manti Teo, and he said, Manti Teo, you're good, brother. And then it's got like the fist and the king, uh, like the, the, mm -hmm. the power, the power symbol there. So, I mean, yeah. people mm -hmm. are really interacting with uh, Manti Teo on this. In fact, the, the church itself on Deseret News, it featured Manti on the uh, social media they, they, they featured Manti on the on their social media account a couple of days ago. This was on August 28th, where mm -hmm. they uh, he talked about forgiveness has been a process. I've been through the refiner's fire, and they uh, featured Manti Teo and his beautiful family on mm -hmm. their on their official social media account. Yeah. So I mean, they're really promoting him because you know he's still you know he's kept his faith through an incredible trial, and he's just yeah. so, you know his he's so handsome. His wife is gorgeous. And it's just like the the you know, amazing story of somebody who came from very little and has gone through adversity and has come out the other end with his faith intact. Uh, it's just a very inspiring story. Oh yeah. Um, I really like everything about this guy. Um, you know, and that's another thing is, uh, I think it's a really good, uh, a really good what stepped forward to see uh, him engage in a new relationship, to find love with somebody else that's a real person. And I'm sure he's uh, uh, a lot wiser now. I'm sure that his dating life after the whole incident with being catfished was um, very guarded. And uh, I, I'm sure that uh, he, he made a lot of changes there. So, 
Uh, yeah. Let me let me co. He also dropped a message after this documentary uh, dropped just a couple of days ago. He did mm-hmm. he, this is on Instagram. He said, "quote I wanted to give a heartfelt thanks to everyone who has come through and shown so much love to me and my family for your messages, your comments. I'm trying to go through all of them, and it's been so amazing to share the battles that we are facing." And his uh, message on the church media uh, site was, "There's uh, quote There's this term called the refiner's fire, and life seems to continually be that for everyone. When I go through difficult times and trials, I smile because I understand what that fire is." And that heavenly father is molding me right now he allows me to uh, he allows the heat to increase so that i can be shaped into whom i need to become i learned that i needed to trust god and continue doing the best that i could to allow him to carry me end quote i just have a question for you al when is the church going to feature zach wilson's social media posts uh that's gonna be a good one don't hold your breath and what are they going to let them yeah. yeah, the Cougar Hunter. I'm wondering if they're going to let the Mormon News Roundup be on their social media posts, huh? Um, I, I guess as soon as we go through the refiner's fire and, um, you know, I, I got to say, though, that what Manti Teo said about the refiner's fire, boy, that's awesome. Um, he's, uh, it, it, when it comes to that refiner's fire, you can look at the adversity that you face in life uh, one of two ways. And he's really a hero for taking the approach to adversity that he did, that these are uh, things that can teach you lessons and make you a better person. Like, you know, when it comes to refining the silver, this can be burning off the dross and the excess garbage on the outside. That's keeping me from being my pure true self. Um, or I can look at it as well. You know, how come I'm having hardship? How come, woe is me? And, you know, poor me. I wish that my life was easier. Like it seems like everybody else's life is easier. So, uh, Manti Teo, he's doing exactly what he wants to do and being an inspiration to people. So really proud of him. Yeah, great documentary. Couldn't couldn't recommend it anymore. Yeah. All right. So I think uh, we've beaten this one to death. It's uh, It's been a good episode. It's been a, a very uh, messy one for sure. Uh, but anything else that we need to, to go over here? Uh, no, no. I think we covered it. Um, well, we do need to go over our uh, Mormon News Roundup poll of the week. We haven't. Oh my one. gosh! I almost. How do we almost forget that? <laughs> oh golly! Okay, thank you for bringing that up. There, can you read us the uh, poll? Uh, read us that. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, this one. How do you feel about the NFL football player Manti Teo's Netflix series Untold and the girlfriend who never existed? Okay, now we've given a lot of props to Manti, but we are also going to take uh, this opportunity to uh, have a small, uh, small bit of amusement. Yep. It is, it is a tragic story, but it also, yeah, it, it, also- he, he's still human. He's got a sense of humor. Um, he can take a, a ribbing. We're okay. I think so. I think yeah. so. So okay. So th- if you go over to Anchor, you can um, uh, interact with us on this on this poll. I, I, oh my gosh, I can't. I don't. I'm not seeing the poll here for some reason. Um, uh, I, uh, I got. I gotta okay. pull it up on my phone. Maybe do you have it, it there? Or I, no? I've, got, I've got it on my phone. Um, okay, so go ahead. I'll, I'll read through it. Okay, number okay. one, his girlfriend wasn't fake. Geneticists believe that the founder effect erased all traces of her DNA. Oh, so she wasn't <laughs> fake. It's just that pesky founder effect. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Effect. Um, yeah. I remember reading about that somewhere. Yeah. Where have I read about that? And DNA and founder effect. Oh, from, where have I read about from that? The gospel topics essays oh. uh, regarding DNA <laughs> and the Native Americans. Yep. Okay, this is a very this is a very tough joke. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame you if you don't get that one. Yeah, so it, maybe, very highbrow joke. Yeah, yeah maybe, <laughs> maybe it was just the founder effect. Maybe his girlfriend was there all along. I don't know. Yeah, okay, don't or know, is it number two? Number two, Manti should have used Moroni's promise to confirm her existence before things got serious. Hashtag James one five. 
Yeah, that Moroni's promise could have come in handy at some point in time, couldn't have? Oh, absolutely. Should have been yeah. able to pray, I mean, hey, is she real? And then find out, um, yeah, it feels right. Because you really have to want the person to be real, right? Yeah, and, and James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Maybe he should have just asked God about it, okay? Or yeah. is it number three? Number three, Manti should have used the gift of discernment or at least run a basic background check. Yeah, one or the other. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seemed, yeah, just taking a <laughs> verification step could have been good. Or is it yeah. number four? Number four, Manti is an inspiration. He is following the foot, in the footsteps of the great early church leaders who loved their secret relationships with women. Oh, um, yeah. That, well, I, I like know. that. <laughs> yeah, no wonder he's being featured on the church social media. He's mm-hmm. taking a page right out of Joseph Smith. Oh, yeah. People have been, I mean, and a lot of people are like that. They're private about their relationships. I mean, it's something that they don't want to be teased about. It's something that they, you know, it's, a, it's something special to them, right? Uh, just like to the early church leaders, having multiple uh, secret wives was very special to them. Yeah, he's he, he's a chip off the old Mormon block. Okay, or is it number uh, f- uh, number five? Number five. As a great poet once said, it's better to have loved and lost than to never have texted at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not sure which poet that was. It seems I, I I you know I don't know my poetry as well as I should. Yeah, that's a tough one. I, you know, I, I gotta say, with regards to that number five, um, with my own catfishing experience, you want to. I mean, is it better to have loved somebody that doesn't exist um, to nev- than never have loved at all? And I think that the appropriate way to uh, look at that, at least the way that I've had to look at it, is this shows you the capacity that you have to love another person. So, you know, don't let uh, just one per- one bad person out there that's catfished you ruin love for you. Because um, look at the lesson that it teaches you, that you have the capacity to love that intensely and go and find somebody that's real, that's worth it. So, um, with that, with that poll, um, I, I like number four. I'm going with number four. Uh, what's number four again? <laughs> uh, Manti's an inspiration. He's following in the footsteps of the great early church leaders who loved their secret relationships with women. That sounds good. That does sound pretty good. Okay, why don't you take us out, Al? Appreciate All it. All right. Yeah, once again, we just want to uh, give a shout-out to Weird Alma for, his epi- for this episode's music. Thanks so much for joining us and ruminating with us on the great and spacious beehive. And remember, remember... No unhallowed hand can stop this podcast from progressing. When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, the Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's Church is a major victory for Satan. 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 Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a being with no moral constraints. My number one goal is to hurt the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.